Hello, hey san hey. I am Pixel Pia. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the existential intelligence and the existential learner. But I will also try to sum up all the nine types of intelligence and give you my thoughts about them. I hope you will enjoy. Do you ever think about questions like what is the meaning of life or what is consciousness? Well, if you do, it's very probable that you have a strong existential intelligence. Hello, hey san hey. I am Pixel Pia. And in today's episode in my series about nine types of intelligence and nine different learning styles, the turn has come to the existential intelligence. As I said, today we are going to talk about the existential intelligence. But as I always point out, even though I talk about just one type in each episode, I believe that we are all capable of using all types of intelligence and all different learning styles. In Howard Gardner's original theory, he just talked about seven types of intelligence. He has then added the naturalist, which I talked about in my last episode. But many people feel that there should be a ninth type of intelligence, and that is the existential intelligence. So what is existential intelligence? Well, it can be defined as the ability to be sensitive to or have the cap a capacity for conceptualizing or tackling deeper or larger questions about human existence. Dr. Gardner has alluded to this intelligence in several, in several of his works, and he has also offered a preliminary definition of the existential intelligence, and I quote, individuals who exhibit the proclivity to pose and ponder questions about life, death, and ultimate realities. I do believe, and this is my very personal opinion, that this type of intelligence is something we develop later in life. But I also believe that we has, have a responsibility as teachers and parents with younger children to start the process towards existential intelligence. But how can we do that? Well, one way is to have circle discussions with open-ended or critical thinking questions. It's important to show questions that in their nature are existential, but not controversial. Let me give you a couple of examples, and this is depending on their age. Why do we sleep? Are aliens real? What does it mean to be an adult? And when are you an adult? I always started discussions of this type in my class 
with presenting the students with a question and giving them a couple of minutes to sit down by themselves and think about the question and if they wanted they could take some notes. We then had a group discussion, sometimes with the whole class and sometimes in smaller groups. And in these discussions everybody was entitled to express their opinion. You weren't allowed to say that someone was wrong. You were only allowed to express your own opinion. After such a discussion I always asked my students to go back by them and sit by themselves and answer the same question again. And if they have changed their answer in any way, I wanted them to try and pinpoint why they changed their opinion. This is a good way to help the students practice to discuss bigger and bigger questions and to be good listeners. But since this is a relatively new part to the theory of multiple intelligence, I will not spend too much time talking about the existential intelligence. Instead, since this is the last of the nine types I will talk about, I want to try and sum up what I think about the theory of multiple intelligence. And I will also talk a little bit about how it has affected me as both as a person and as a teacher. But let's start when I first came in contact with Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligence. This was when I was working at the school I have described earlier where I was a teacher in a multi-age classroom. Every fall before the students came in, we teacher had a couple of study days together. Our principal, she had read Howard Gardner's book, Frames of Mind, Theory of Multiple Intelligences. And I will have that link down below. She was very fascinated about this. And she had been in contact with Stockholm's University with a couple of the teachers there that put together a two-day seminar for us teachers at our school in the beginning of the fall. This seminar was lectures and workshops. This was mind-blowing, not only for me as a relatively new teacher, but for our teaching team. I think it was very important that we did this together as a team, that we actually had the workshop together as a teaching team. And I also think that these two days changed our school for the better. Many of us had intuitively worked in this direction before, but to be able to put words on what we were doing made a big difference not just among ourselves, but also when we communicated this to the parents. After this first contact, I first of all took a real close look at my own ways of learning. And I realized that I am a combination of the linguistic, mathematical and spatial intelligence. 
and learn these styles. No wonder I never had any problems learning when I was in school. But more than that, I could observe and find nuances in my students' way of learning. And with that information, I could better help and guide each student to a better way of learning for them. We had less frustration over learning issues and assignments in the class and we also had so much more fun while working. And this also led to a strengthened feeling of community and collective responsibility. Not only for our work environment that was the classroom and the group room, but also for being supportive in each other's learning. Even though Dr. Gardner pr first presented his theory in 1983, which is 36 years ago. I can't say that much have changed in our schools. And that goes for both Sweden and the US. I was lucky to work at the right school with the right colleagues at the right time. And even though I to this day, when I teach, try to implement as much as I can of this theory. I must say that the schools are very slow to change. And as a teacher, you have very little freedom to change things. And I must say it's even more so here in the US than it was in Sweden. Or maybe I should say it's even more so here in New Jersey because that's where my American experience comes from than it was in Sweden. And as I have said before, I can't talk about how it is in Sweden today. After all, it is 16 years since I taught in a Swedish school. Even though I believe strongly in the use of this theory in the schools. I don't see it happen very often, not in the public school system. There you have it, my thoughts about existential intelligence and the whole theory about the multiple intelligences. In my next episode, I will introduce you to an experiment I did with a sixth grade class in Sweden, where the student had flexible school hours. I hope you will tune in then. Until next time, goodbye, or as we say in Sweden, hej då!